Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. We've started a new series. I want you guys to get your Bibles. I'm going to go straight into the Word. Uh, but uh, we even started a series called One More Soul. Everybody say One More Soul. And so One More Soul is, talks about the, the, the attitude of God towards a soul, towards a human being, and our responsibility to not be quiet about Jesus. I want to pause and say something that the Lord, uh, you know how sometimes he just goes like this? <laughs> like literally, the Lord kind of went like this spiritually to me the other day. And he spoke this to my heart. Hear me now before, before I, I speak. He says, whatever you are passionate about, you will speak about. Uh, see? Uh. <laughs> That's the angels in heaven going, That's right. <laughs> All the visitors are like, what is going on here? I'm not your typical religious pastor. I love to, I, I love to have fun with everyone here. And, uh, but I believe in the power of God. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and, uh, and so anyways, he told me, he said, he said uh, whatever you are passionate about, you will speak about. See, that got no amens. Because most of y'all are passionate about sports, and you get on Facebook, and you argue a full, a full like, hour on who's the better team, the Yankees or the Red Sox. We all know it's the Yankees, I mean, but, <laughs> right? So we argue, and we, and we pull all these, I was doing it playfully with one of my friends. We're pulling all these statistics out, and we're copying and pasting this statistic, and we're so passionate, and we're just talking about the Yankees and the Red Sox. And I'm, and I'm like, you know what? It is interesting that we are so, we watch, we talk about things that are passionate to us. So let me, let me have a nice intro here. If we're not talking about Jesus enough, could it be that there is something missing that we're not connecting with our passion level? Because it should ooze out of you. It should not be something forced. Listen, you don't have to ooze the dolphins out of me or the Yankees out of me. I know, have mercy on me with the dolphins. But, but you, I mean, I, you don't have to be like, man, like I, I was talking, I was telling my wife, and my wife was like, who cares? And I'm like, babe, football season is about to start. And she's like, who cares? You know, I'm like, I care. It's August, football. But I started realizing the church is so excited about other things and they talk about other things, why aren't we talking about Jesus? Why aren't, we, why aren't we talking to people about Jesus? So I want you to see, turn with me. Now, um, Donnie, will have, Donnie has a testimony that we're going to have a, a next week, if we can, because of time. Powerful. Actually, you know what? No, come here, come here, come here. This was not planned. I, j just to let you know, just to let you know, how, real quick, Donnie, how God is using people in our community for one more soul. Every one of you has a card that says one more soul or should have. And in that card, there, there's a name, there's a line that you could uh, uh, put uh, the name of somebody that you're believing for to get saved. Well, we're believing for not just uh, um, the people in the church to give, be revived, but even the hardest of hearts. And I just heard a testimony. Come on, man. A Satanist gave their lives to Jesus. Through their witness. Come on, church. Because we're intentional about going after the lost. Tell us real quick what, what has been happening. 
Well, I really can't take all the credit. As you guys just seen, Eric went to the back. Eric Castillo, who actually gave his testimony last week. And uh, really, I didn't, yeah. wasn't aware of all of the, the stuff from his past. But um, this past week, he brought somebody uh, to one of my projects that have recently worked with us. And his name is David. He won't mind me mentioning, mentioning his name. I actually have a text message here. He comes to the project, and he has a lot of different uh, satanic tattoos and actually has Mary on his arm, but Mary is in the form of a, of a demon. And uh, there's Eric right there. So I'm going to steal his fire a little bit. So uh, we're in the stairwell of this historic home. It's built in 1925, and we're in the stairwell, and my brother and I are just kind of ministering to him, and I'm telling him about the Lord. And he had been mentioning that he had been hooked on drugs and alcohol. And he said, I, I have said some ungodly things to the Lord. I can't even repeat the things that I've said. And he's actually worshipped Satan throughout his lifetime. And um, as I begin to talk to him, I can kind of see him trembling. And I'm looking in his eyes. And I'm just seeing the light of the Lord in his eyes. And he says, you know, he basically wants to denounce, uh, you know, satanic worship. And he wants to follow... And his own words, he didn't have the verbiage for it. He didn't have the wording for it because he's a baby Christian. But he said, I want to denounce this lifestyle. I no longer want to turn my back on God. I want to walk out the purpose and plans that he has for me. And I actually got a text from um, Eric this past week. And it says, David said he felt something incredible while talking to you and the guys. I'm glad he has faith in the Lord now. And I appreciate your words that you threw at him today. He's going to lead a better path. And so, you know, I start thinking about that scripture when Jesus said, you know, you saw me hungry and you didn't feed me. You seen me clothless and you didn't clothe me. And he said, as you do unto the least of these, you've done unto me. And I wonder if you can see the inside of people's heart crying out to know the Lord. I wonder how much more would we reach out and minister to the brokenhearted. And this is the darkest of the dark. So don't discount anybody and where they're at, whether they're satanic worshipers or somebody who's caught in adultery or somebody who's just living a lifestyle in the club and just lost and totally, uh, you know, forsaken from God. You never know where somebody's at in their, in, in their walk with the Lord. But, you know, this world's water won't satisfy. There's only one water that'll satisfy, and that's the living water of Christ. And I just, I believe we're in a season where God is drawing the people who are in the darkest of the dark, and I just encourage you all, just share the word of God, share the love of Christ. There's so many people out there who are wanting it and who are thirsty for it. Come on, Amen. Come on. And you know what the awesome thing about it? We think, oh, uh, Satan is like, you know, like when we pray for a headache, we're like, oh, I have faith for that. But not, don't, don't tell me to pray for cancer. Like, it, like if the Lord turns off his power in you because you're about to pray for cancer now, and, and the Holy Spirit's like, oh, no, no, not cancer. He's still the same. You know what the Bible says? I love this. Jesus cast out demons with a word. He wasn't like sweating like us, like, oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, come on. And then you were sweating, and then 20 minutes later, the demons start going, I'm not trying to be funny, but I mean, he goes, out. Ah. No, I'm serious. He just says, out, out. Be healed. Because the power of God is not an indication of your volume level. Your volume doesn't take authority. It's a relationship that produces authority. Now, there's people out there that are hurting, and they're waiting for you to be the light. And I want you to turn to Acts chapter 26. I feel the Holy Spirit already. Come on, church. Are you loving me? Do you love Jesus? Look at, for, look at Acts chapter 26. And this is Paul saw, who, who when he got converted uh, in his, in his um, Greek name, is, is, sorry, his Hebrew name is, uh, is Saul. And then, uh, and then 
the, his Greek name's translation is Paul. So this is a recount of Saul who was, watch this, now listen, a dark person. Modern day, hear me now so you won't get offended, modern day terrorist. He was on his way to kill Christians. On his way to kill Christians. We've had ISIS had killed Christians chopping their head off. This is Saul, all right, who, by the way, grew up in church. Because do you know that you could be in church and be lost, grow up in church and be lost? But you don't want me to talk about that today. He's recounting his conversion before a king, King Agrippa. And I want you to see this man who was notorious in his killing of Christians. And I want you to see that without a benefit of a preacher, without a podcast, without Instagram, without Snapchat, without Facebook, Jesus himself reached that hard man. And I want you to see, but here's what I want you to see. We all know the story, but what you don't know is the immediacy of his conversion. Right after he got converted, I want you to see that it didn't take three, four years for him to open his mouth to talk about Jesus. Because we have this fallacy in the church that we say, you know what, yeah, we have to wait. I understand for maturity's sake we do, but you'll see because I don't want to get ahead of my, myself. Look at Acts chapter 26 verse 13. He's before this king and he said, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light. This is this ex-terrorist, this ex-executioner, okay, this ex-murderer. Now filled with the spirit, now saved. And he's recounting his story before King Agrippa. He says, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me. And those in the, in the journey, who journeyed with me, and when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Jesus saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, Paul said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. You know that we could persecute Jesus not by, by persecuting him in the sense that we know persecution. It's persecuting him by denying him. By resisting him. Right? By resisting his ways. He said, it's hard for you to kick against the ghost. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Now watch this. Rise and stand to your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose this, I, I, some of you that read this fast are not going to get this. I've appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness. No, 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 no. Most conversions, when we came to the altar, were like, thank you, Jesus. The Holy, we, we, didn't, we didn't hear, like, now you, uh, the reason I'm encountering you right now and you're crying because I want you to be a witness to me. No, none of us heard that. None of us, we were like coming to the altar and we're crying and we just feel the love of Jesus and we're just crying. We have no words and we just feel the warmth of Jesus, the acceptance of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus. And that is still always true. The Holy Spirit encounters Paul. And as he's encountering him, you, I, modern day virgin, he's like, oh, yes, Lord, what is, what, what is happening? And as he's getting encountered for the first time by Jesus, Jesus tells him, one of the reasons I'm encountering you is not only to change you, but I'm going to call you to be a witness to, to speak to people about me. Immediately, immediately when he got encountered or he got saved, there was no six months timetable. There was no one year timetable. Immediately, has, imagine 
a, a sinner coming to the altar, they get saved and they hear the voice of the Lord. I'm saving you now. I'm forgiving you. Now I want you to talk to people about me. And they hear that voice from the Lord. That doesn't, that, that's almost weird. So he's being encountered by the Holy Spirit. And, and God, God says, this reason I'm encountering you, watch this, to be a witness both of the things which you have seen and the things which will, I will reveal to you. Keep reading. I will deliver you. This is, this is him recounting the vision that he had with the Lord. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as the Gentiles to whom I now send you. To watch. To, all this is happening in this encounter. To open their eyes in order, my God, to turn them from darkness to light. Are you ready, Donnie? From the power of Satan to God. He's saying this as he's being encountered on the road to Damascus for the first time. He's saying, I'm shining on you with brilliant light and I'm manifesting myself to you, not only so that you could get saved, Paul, and that know that I'm the Messiah, but so that I'm commissioning you to turn people from Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by, my faith, by me in faith. Therefore, King Agrippa, watch this, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Here, here he is. He's confirming. But I declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the regions of Judea. This, this, this baby Christian, so to speak. All right? And then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do the works befitting of repentance. Here is the Apostle Paul, church, getting encountered by the Lord in a powerful way. And the first thing he hears while he's getting encountered is, you're forgiven. You're cleansed. I am the Messiah. I'm revealing myself to you. Now, this is the reason why I'm appearing to you other than that. I want, you to, commission, I want to commission you to be a voice to tell people about Jesus, about me and my saving power. In the church in America... We feel like, you know what, I can't talk to people about Jesus because I don't know enough scripture. Where does that say that in the Bible? Now, now I understand that we need these things, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to share that with you. But the Lord did not wait two or three years to tell Paul the reason why he's encountering him. He didn't wait a couple of, of, of months. As a matter of fact, if, if you go back to the... Uh, uh, the Acts chapter 9, let's turn there. If you go back to chapter 9 when it's actually really happening. So Acts chapter 26, he's recounting his story. But let's actually go to the story when it actually happens, can we? In Acts chapter 9, this is actually him going through it, all right, as a, a, a scribe, as a Pharisee. In other words, he grew up, what we call modern day, in the church, reading scriptures. But you know what? That you could read scriptures and never encounter Jesus. Man, that's good preaching right there. Yeah, and, and it's proven in the Bible. The Bible, Jesus said, you search the scriptures hoping to find eternal life when it's standing in right in front of you. He said, you search the scriptures hoping to find life when it's me that they're talking about. Moses, you know when he talked about, you know Isaiah when he talked about, he was talking about me. But yet they were searching the scriptures like a history book instead of life. And so here's Acts chapter 9. Watch. Watch the immediacy of this. In Acts chapter 9, uh, it says this, uh, verse 17. Are you there? Say amen. And Ananias, this is after he, he was uh, encountered on the road, 
And so he was blind for three days. Imagine getting, could you imagine getting encountered by God and the brilliant light of God so transforms you that you're blind for three days? The, the Bible says it was brighter than the sun and encountered him. So he was blind for three days. He's sitting in a room not knowing what happened to him. And all of a sudden this brother Ananias comes in because the Lord told Ananias to lay hands on Saul. And, 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 and if you do history, he's like, are you sure it, that Saul? You know, Lord, how he's, you know, the reputation of the church. He had a reputation that even the disciples like, I'm not sure if I want to pray for that dude. Boy, I could preach right there. I could pause and preach for an hour on that. We don't mind going to the guy who is less intimidating than us, but we never want to open our mouth to someone that is intimidating or someone that's dark or someone that, that has a threat on them to, for, or, repu- or a bad reputation. So Ananias comes in. Watch this. And he, he, he said, so Ananias went on his way. He entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you, the Lord told him, that appeared to you on the road came to me. And he has sent me to you that you may receive your sight. Now remember, he's still sh- uh, sh- you know, pr- shaking in the presence of God. Three days he's not being able to see. He's getting violently encountered by the presence of the Lord. Oh, thank God for encounters that turn his life around. Turn his whole life around. One encounter with Jesus will turn your life around. I don't care how you are. Now watch this. Immediately when he, watch this. He says, immediately they, he said that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once. And he arose and he was baptized. So when he received his food, then he was strengthened. He, and, and Saul spent, say, some days. Say, some days. With the disciples in Damascus. Are you ready for the next verse? Are you ready? Remember, he just got out of this encounter. He just got out. Some of you guys are waiting for years. There is no waiting. He got encountered by the Holy Spirit. Watch the next verse. Immediately. He what? Preached the Christ in the synagogues. That he is a son of God. Immediately. Now, I want you to put the first... The first point up there, Zach, I want you guys to see this. This is powerful. Let this slap you like a ton of bricks in the chest, all right? Though training, and this is something that the Lord uh, downloaded in my spirit. Though training and classes are necessary for maturity and for leadership positions in the church. Oh, I love this. There is no time limit given in scripture for when we should start talking to people about Jesus. Though training and classes are necessary for maturity and for leadership. So for leadership, yes. And for our our daily walk with God, yes. Let me just pause and say something. You could still be immature and still talk to people about Jesus. Oh, man, that's so good. We, We think that we have to have it all together. We have to have all the scripture memorized, all the methods. Okay, first I say repent. Then I say receive. Then I say turn. Then I say, no, forget about the method. Just preach Jesus. If all you know is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish and have eternal life, then use that over and over and over again. 
Sometimes you could use your testimony. But let me tell you, don't buy into the lie that says, I am not ready. You're ready because you have the Holy Spirit say in you, and you're ready because you got saved. Because, because Paul the Apostle just got encountered with the Lord, and immediately he started preaching Christ. And some people say, well, yeah, you know, Pastor George, he was a man of the Scripture. It's true. But he had a perverted, skewed uh, uh, translation, interpretation of Scripture that was without Jesus. When the Holy Spirit encountered him, all of a sudden Jesus became real to him. And when Jesus became real to him, he started talking to everybody. Listen, you can't shut people up that really have an encounter with God. And it will, and, and, and it will highlight the lack of, of fervency in your life to the point of almost jealousy when you, say, when you see people talking about Jesus so much. You're like, oh, come on, you, you, know, you, you don't need to. No, yes, we do. We need to talk to people about Jesus. So, yes, we need training classes for discipleship and for leadership positions. We know that because when you're in a leadership position, the Bible says that they need to be discipled, they need to be trained. But listen, there is no timetable given in Scripture for you to talk to people about Jesus. Yes, even in your immaturity. Does God want you to stay in that immaturity? No. But even in, in your immaturity and lack of knowledge, if you've been saved and if you've been encountered by God and if you've been forgiven, I have news for you. Every one of you are proclaimers of the good news. Not just pastors, not just teachers, every person in this room. If you got saved yesterday, you should be talking to your family and your friends today about what happened to you yesterday in Jesus. Do you know what the Bible says? This is the first scripture, I don't think I've ever said this, that my friend Josh brought, gave me when I, when, before I got saved, he would minister to me and he gave me like a little verse and I was in the world and I still remember this verse even though I was in the world. He circled this scripture, and I was like, I don't want to, I don't know what that is. He said, it's in Matthew 10, 32. I'll never forget this. And this is not in my notes. But it's where Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me on earth, my heavenly Father will be ashamed of you in heaven. But if you confess me before men, the angels will confess your name before the Father in heaven. Think about that. Are we ashamed of persecution? Are we ashamed of what people are going to think about us more than what God is going to think about us when it comes to the Lord? Come on, say amen. And so training is important, but there is no time limit. Aren't you glad there's no time limit to talk to people about Jesus? Listen, if there was, then we, the church would be really in trouble. But thank God there's been a green light for 2,000 years that has never been red. I said it's never been red. God is always saying go. Now, do different people have different callings? Yes, but everyone in their different callings, whether it's a lawyer, whether it's a banker, whether it's a sports athlete, we all have the ability to talk about Jesus if we're saved. And so this is why we are here. This is why the Lord is encountering us. Because the early church, the reason why they were able to talk about God and Jesus the, the, so, so eloquently and so powerfully and so, with conviction because they truly had an encounter with Jesus. We need, the church needs to get an encounter with Jesus. And I love the fact that you could be grown up in church all your life and not encounter Jesus. We know church protocol, but some of us don't know Jesus. And we're sit, listen, Paul in modern day times grew up in the church. He read the scriptures. He read the law. He read the scrolls, yet he never saw Jesus in the scriptures until the Holy Spirit came. And so the, the, there's 
obviously challenges that Paul had to face much more than us. Can you agree? Paul had to face much deeper and much threatening challenges to talk about Jesus than we do. He was able to do that. Now, it leads me to this next powerful point here. One of the things that I believe is overlooked in 2017 in Christians when it comes to sharing their faith. Are you ready for this? this, this, this I'm going to tie everything in here right here. Is the person and the role of the Holy Spirit. I'm going I'm to say something really powerful here. We have forgotten the role and the person of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the, the role that we need to play for being a witness. Do you know that the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not so that a bunch of charismatics could wag their tongue, la, 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 la. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is to empower the believer, watch this, to be a witness. And it's proven in Scripture. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not so that Christians could just get a little corner and pray for an hour speaking in tongues. Praise God for that. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes to empower the believer so that they could be a witness. The Holy Spirit didn't come for a sensation or for, or, or, or for some wagging of the tongue only. It's for power. You say, show me, Pastor George. I'm glad you asked. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 in the NLT. In the NLT, look at how it reads. Jesus is talking to the disciples, and they're waiting. And they're waiting in Jerusalem. They said, wait for the promise. So, okay, what kind of promise? And then Jesus, as they're waiting in the upper room, and they're praying, they hear, they remember the words of Jesus that said this. But you shall receive power. Come on, church. Watch this. Watch this. Not after you watched CNN or went to a, to a movie or, or, or got some good Christian entertainment. He says, you will receive power, not even if you go church attendance. Preach, Pastor George. Yes, amen. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Watch this. Right after that. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me. Church. You will, be, you will be my witness telling people about me when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Watch this. Everywhere. Say everywhere. Everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not so that you could just speak some prayer language. It's so that you could be empowered to be a witness with boldness, without fear, to tell people about Jesus. Now I'm going to really shock you. Are you ready? 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 Do you know what the Greek word for witness means? You're not, some of you guys are not going to like this. The Greek word for witness, look it up. If you, if you don't believe me, please look it up in the Greek lexicon. Where the, where the New Testament was translated in that language. The Greek word for witness is martis or martos, which is the word martyr. Where we get the word, English word, martyr. And you will be a martyr or a witness for me. In other words, does it mean, don't, don't freak out for a second. What that means is a person who's really filled with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is willing to die for their witness for Jesus and not be afraid in the midst of death when it comes to speaking about Jesus. Do you realize that most disciples, according to history, 
Most disciples knew that they were going to get killed if they continued talking about Jesus. But they were filled with the Holy Spirit and boldness came in. What's the purpose for boldness? It's not so you can raise your chest and say, I'm bold and you're not. Back down. You know what the Bible says the reason for boldness is? And it's not in my notes, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up here. Acts chapter 4. What is the reason for boldness? What is the reason for boldness? Is it so you can prove your spirituality? Or, 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 or let me just be in the other way. Or just temporarily he- heal your passivity and shyness? Well, praise God. But God doesn't want you to stop there. Okay, let's say he heals your passivity and your shyness. What then? Are you ready for this? I said, are you ready? Acts chapter 4. Look at this. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. They were in a prayer meeting, and they were scared. It's okay. Even the disciples, they were scared. They're saying, don't say the name of Jesus anymore. Because if you do, we're going to kill you. (laughs) Most Christians today be like, sure, I I won't talk about Jesus. I'll just keep him to myself. Because I want to live. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit will give you boldness to be a witness, even a martyr for Jesus. We've forgotten the role of the Holy Spirit. We need to be rebaptized again in the Holy Spirit. I said the church needs to be rebaptized again with the Holy Spirit. We forgot that we need to include the power of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Are you ready for this, church? Acts 4, verse 29. Now look on their threats. They're in a prayer meeting. They're they're receiving this news. Look on their threats and grant your servants uh, with all what? Shout at me. With all what? With all what? Boldness that they may what? (laughs) You missed that. Boldness so they can say, I am bold and you're not. I'm I'm fire and you're not. You need the fire of God just like I do. No, what's the reason for boldness? That they may speak. Man, I'm I'm getting more amens about me than you. That they may speak, watch, by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders, this is a prayer meeting, so they're capturing their prayers here, may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, watch, the place where they were assembled were shaken. Watch, watch. and they were, here, here it is, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, everybody say Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is so not you can shake and quake for Jesus. It's so that you can be bold and speak Jesus without fear of persecution or whatever happens to you. Like Esther said, if I die, I die. But I'm going to approach the king. We have to be people that the church is not defeated. The church is victorious, but sometimes the church looks defeated. But in God's eyes, we have boldness. We have the blood of Jesus. We have Holy Spirit. We have angels around us. What are we afraid of? The Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps those who fear you. You have angels around you. You have the blood of Jesus on you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And you have the name of Jesus on your lips. But yet, we're afraid. The church needs to be baptized with the Holy Spirit again. If this offends you, I'm sorry. But you you and I need to have a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Understand the role of the Holy Spirit. Say amen. And so because of this, I want to give you, because we have about 10 or 15 minutes before we have to dismiss uh, for our community event. I want you to look on the screen. The the next point we're going to do, there's obstacles or what I call reasons. I'm going to give you four reasons or obstacles that try to stop our witness for Jesus. All right, I'm going to say that again. 
obstacles or reasons, some, some of the reasons are really real, but some of them are excuses, that we, that are present in our life that stop our witness. Before I give you these four, say the truth with me. Isn't there a part of your life that says, I want to be a better witness? Isn't there a part of your life that says, I want to I see people turn from darkness to light? What joy that brings. Listen, your mission field is not necessarily Africa or, or some other country. Praise God for that. Your mission field is your work. Your mission field is your home. Your mission field is your school. Your mission field sometimes is in your school of friends, that you're, or your neighborhood that you're around. That is your mission field. Now, I hate to bust people's bubble. I know character is good. All right? I know character is good. We, they need to see your character. But let me tell you, they need to hear your words too. Because people are not, mostly not going to get saved just by having you silent. They were never silent. They spoke the word. They spoke the word. Some of us are not telling people about Jesus because you're hoping that all they, do, they need to do is see Jesus in you and so that you don't have to speak for fear. So I just said the first one. The first obstacle or barrier for stopping others to witness about Jesus is intimidation and fear. Write that down. The first obstacle or reason that we give that we don't share Jesus with anybody anymore is because of intimidation and fear. Now, I want you to write this real quick if you're taking notes. There's a lot of fears, but there's four main fear that cripple us, okay? Now, there's four main fears. There's the fear of the unknown, all right? Those of you who are going to college or, or, or you're stepping to a new area, you don't really know. It's not familiar, so it's going to cause some fear or anxiety, all right, at times. The second fear, and not in any order, is the fear of commitment. Some of us, we're not committed in church or we're not committed in, 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 a, in, in a relationship because we got hurt with other prior commitments. Can I hear an amen? Either we got hurt by a church, we got hurt by relationships, so now we fear commitment everywhere we go until we get healed. That's a real fear. Right? Then there's a third one. It's a fear. Oh, this is a big one. A failure. So because we fear failing, we never start anything. Because we already have three strikes against us before we start because we think that if we start something, it's going to fail because we failed in the past. And the big fear that we all struggle with, which is the big one, which hinders and cripples our witness more than anything else, is the fear of rejection, which is the fear of man. The fear of rejection, which is the fear of man. The fear of man is that we are more fearful and intimidated about a person's reaction to, to the gospel than we are God's reactions to the gospel. So, the, so one of the reasons why we don't witness is because we're bound by fear and intimidation. Fear of rejection. And let me tell you something. We all know the Bible, right? Fear doesn't just torment you because the Bible says perfect love casts out fear, right? Right? And it says fear involves torment. But you know what fear also involves? It paralyzes you. Have you guys ever been felt paralyzed? That is, listen, your, your heart's still pumping. Your mind's still working. You're still alive. But it's torturous. The reason why it's torturous is because you can't move. What happens when you're intimidated? It stops your progress from speaking to people. Watch this. It paralyzes your witness. Amen. Say amen. So because of lack of time, I won't give you the, the scripture, but it's in 1 John chapter 4. You can write it down. 
All right? It talks about fear torments, but it's not the torment that we think torment is, like, like bonding you on a chair and electrocuting you or, or some crazy stuff like that. No, the torment comes because it paralyzes you. Oh, come on, church. This is good stuff. It paralyzes you so that you'll be ineffective and unfruitful. Number two, the second reason. If Edwin, Edwin, if you could come up here. <laughs> Thank you, Edwin. The second reason that or obstacle that we have are you ready for this look at put it up an inaccurate view of God's extreme love for people an inaccurate view in us right we really if we really study the scripture and if we really know Jesus we will have a revelation of how much people mean to him again I've said it before and I said it again People should not be an inconvenience all the time. I understand people get on our nerves. Trust me. I get convicted all the time. I'm like, Lord, this is not about me. This is not about me. This, this is not about me. I want my food right now. This waiter is taking a long time. It's not about me. But we get into that rut like, where's my food? Where's my, you know, it's been 30 minutes. And this person's lost. I got to remind myself. We all got to remind ourselves of that. But we have to have an accurate biblical view of how much God loves people. Because the more you have an adequate view, the more you'll be moved. Watch this. With what he loves and with what he hates. Because if you love Jesus, you will love what he loves and you will hate what he hates. And he loves people. He does. <laughs> Some of you are like, man, I wish that wasn't part of the gospel. He loves people. And yeah, the people that get on your nerves, he loves them. He loves you and your cranky self. Come on. He loves you and your inconsistent self, in your moody self. Listen, just ask Mary, folks. When you wake up next to each other, you're not all that and a bag of chips. Yeah, messed up hair, bad breath. You ain't perfect. But we think we have to be perfect to witness. An inaccurate view. Say an inaccurate view. Look at Romans 5. I got five minutes. Romans 5, 6. Look at this. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for who? Who did he die for? The ungodly. Look at this. For, for rarely for a righteous man would one dare to die, yet perhaps a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us that we, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were sinners, in other words, I'm not going to die just for the righteous. I love you as a sinner. I love you messed up. I love you. I want you to change. But he died for the ungodly. If we know that, our witness will be rapid and fiery. Now here's the, th the third one is really good. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in the next two, three minutes. The third reason, watch this, for our lack of witness. Now watch this. Personal, spiritual dullness and apathy. I got no amens. Personal, spiritual dullness and apathy. This is dullness. You know, you, you know watch this. Our witness becomes unfruitful when we are weighted down by the cares of this world. When we're weighted down by the entertainment of the world and the pleasure of the world, our witness becomes unfruitful. And I'm going to prove it to you by scripture. There's a scripture in Luke chapter, uh, I believe it's Luke chapter 21 in the NLT. I want you to see something, and then I'm going to tell you the Webster Dictionary for a word, and I, when I tell you the Webster Dictionary, 
Do not throw anything at me. Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what the Webster Dictionary is. All right? Now look at what Jesus said in Luke when it comes to a dull spirit. Right? Watch. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled. Everybody say dulled. Say dulled. With, by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. So it's not just blatant pornography or blatant drug addiction. Obviously, that dulls our spirit, but it's worries. The worries and the cares of this life. What happens, it makes our our heart callous and focuses on our problem so that we won't be a light to others. But that word dull, it says be careful that your spirit is not dulled by drunkenness or partying or by entertainment or by sport or, or all this stuff and, and watch this or by worry. I looked up the, dex- the, the, the Webster Dictionary for dull. All right? Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm just going to read it like it is so you guys won't throw anything at me. Not exciting or interesting. Having no passion. Not sharp. Are you ready? This is Webster Dictionary, not Pastor George. Mentally slow. Stupid. Look up dull in the Webster Dictionary. I'm reading word for word. Mentally slow, stupid. I'm not calling you stupid. Slow in perception and sensibility. Lacking zeal or vibrancy. You know what the last little definition there? I thought this was amazing. It says low in saturation. Dull. Dull means low in saturation. When we are saturated by the world... The presence of God, the saturation of the presence of God becomes low in our lives. The light of that, that the, of God becomes low. So dull means slow, Le- means, means not sharp. Watch this. Mean going through the motions means no passion or zeal. Guess what happens when you have no passion or no zeal? You have no witness. But how does no passion and no zeal come? Through the worries of life. Are worries, are worries of life stopping and quenching your, your witness? And then the last thing, and I want us to stand up right now. The last thing, put it up there, Zach. Spiritual forces at work. Put that scripture up in Corinthians that I gave you, Zach, in the NLT. I want everyone to look up at the screen. Spiritual forces, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. Is anybody getting anything this morning? Now look at this. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who what? Don't believe. So there's actually spiritual forces at work here. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is exactly in the likeness of God. So the fourth obstacle that we have is that we have spiritual darkness that we're facing. So we have fear. We have this intimidation. We have those, these other factors, the, the lack of understanding of God, of God's love for people. We have dullness in our spirit. We have dark spiritual forces. But we have the power over darkness. Greater is he that is in you than he was in the world. I want you to take that right now. I want you to take that, that, that little sign or that postcard that you have right now. And I want you, if you haven't done so already, write that person that you believe in to get saved. But right now, if you don't have that, I want you to begin to pray. Every Sunday we're going to pray because we've been seeing miracles, people coming to the Lord. 
So if you have a loved one right now or a friend that God is highlighting you in your workplace while I'm preaching, I want you to call their name out right now as we pray for the next minute before we dismiss. And I want you to call their name out and say, God, encounter my husband or encounter my, my wife, encounter my neighbor, encounter my brother. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, call their name out. Father, we ask that you would reach your love. Lord God, to those who are in dark places, to those, Lord God, that don't know your love, we as a church, we repent for being so judgmental to the world. Worldly people are supposed to act like worldly people. Let us be the light. Let us talk about Jesus again to those in our sphere of influence. We pray for our loved ones today. We pray, Lord Jesus, for our, our, our friends. We pray for our neighbors and our co-workers. We pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus for you to encounter them. Come on. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.